You're listening to Power Producers Shop Talk, where we are refining and redefining the sales game by equipping you with the tools you need to differentiate yourself in the marketplace. Well, it's like when we audit the mod with Mod Advisor and are able to give them the action items that they're going to use to lower their total cost of risk. Tactical skills that will help you provide deliverable value to your clients and prospects. It's going to be a great year in 2022 at Florida Risk Partners now that IPFS is in the game with their total pay strategy, we can write excess and surplus lines and completely remove the agency bill from our agency. People, if you're not using total pay by IPFS, you're definitely leaving money on the table. And action items that you can provide to take your prospects and clients to the next level. Having partners like Mineral only bolsters the fact that your clients do not care about the insurance. It's all of the value that you're able to add. And with partners like Mineral who can help with both HR and environmental health and safety, we can't help but win. This is Power Producer Shop Talk. Production redefined. Are you ready to feel the power? Here we go. Get ready for a wild ride. It's Power Producer Shop Talk, and we are back again with Miss Carrie Wallace, who is going to talk to us about the risk factors that can affect your agency valuation. Again, if you're a producer and you're looking for tips on how to sell and how to produce, you are in the right place. We're just talking about risk factors that have an effect on your agency valuation You need to know this as a producer because you're in control of some of it. So pay attention, people. Your boss is going to absolutely love you for listening to this. Carrie, what's going on? Not too much, my friend. How about you? What's going on over in Florida? Oh, my goodness. What isn't isn't going on in Florida? You know what? I don't think that I have – I don't think that we've had this conversation on the podcast yet. So this – I have a couple of people who – I have um, this. I gotta shut this off, or I'm gonna lose my mind. That, that, <laughs> that I have a standing meeting with on Fridays, right? And so I always have fun catching up with them on everything that's happened in my life from one Friday to the next. So <laughs> I had Aaron Ramsey on, who's in Killing Commercial this morning, out in out in Colorado, and we were talking. And I he had like a whirlwind week. Great week for him. Scored a really nice revenue account. Certainly celebrated that. And I'm like, let me tell you what's happened in the last week to me. <laughs> so Saturday, we are at the house at like 1045 or 11 o'clock at night. And anybody who knows anything about me and Andrea knows Long that gone. 1030 to 1045 on a Saturday night is like three hours past when we're normally asleep. Like there is no <laughs> late night on the weekends or during the week. God, you guys in Elise so we get along knew- perfectly. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, we will. We're going to show you how to do Key West on a normal bedtime. So anyhow, <laughs> so anyhow, phone rings, and you know we're of the age at this point. Parents are older, so phone rings at ten forty-five at night. You're sitting straight up in bed, wondering what's going on. It never, you know. And I knew. And well, actually, I don't think it matters how thing. old you are. I think at any any point, yeah. if the phone's ringing at that time at night, then it's cause for concern. Well, when I was in college, it was everybody saying, hey, we're leaving in an hour to go down to Chasers, and Carrie knows what I'm talking about. But <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. 
True statement, yes. But no, it, it, you know, and my first reaction is, are all my kids in the house, right? So yeah, my first thing yeah. is I'm looking I'm looking on the doorbell camera from my bed to make sure Grayson's car is in front of the house. That's the only part that's the only kid that would be gone unless Landon snuck out and that's just not how he rolls. So <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So we get the call that my mother in law has slipped and fell and broken her hip. Mm. And my oh, father in law, no. who has got some pretty significant medical issues of his own is with one of her friends in Cape Coral, two and a half hours away, trying to lift her up and get her to where he can get her to the hospital, which we put the kibosh on that right away. Yeah. Ambulance Call came. Took her, yeah, took her to the emergency exactly. room on Saturday night late. Now, Ugh. this is complicated by the fact, and I'm probably violating a million different HIPAA violation <laughs> rules here, but whatever. It's my mother-in-law. She'll... she'll She'll get I take it. good care of my in-laws, so I think they'll be okay. She loves you, David. I'm sure she's fine yeah, with it, right? Yeah, they are well taken care of. Um, so she had had an issue where she banged her leg on the bed like a couple of weeks before, like walking, like just stupid stuff like we all do. And she ended up with blood clots, and the mm. blood clots Ugh. ended up traveling up. And she ended up like four or five. This was actually um, – right before Ohio, because when I was in Ohio, Annie took the kids over to Disney for a long weekend so they could go play because, well, I mean, if daddy is, is doing is playing, which by the way, I'd love for them to see my version <laughs> of play, but yeah. anyhow, <laughs> they, they went over to Disney and Patty was supposed to go with them and couldn't because she ended up going to the emergency room. She had four or five blood clots that had made it into her oh, lungs. So God. she was on a bunch of, she was on a bunch of blood thinners. And, and the, the, the irony of all this is my father-in-law is the one we're expecting to have issues at any given yeah. time. Not her. She's always been healthy as a horse. Mm -hmm. So she's in the ER for that, misses the trip to Disney, falls, breaks her hip. And now the doctors are like, look, we got to figure out what's going on because her blood is so thin. We can't do surgery. So we got to mm -hmm. get her blood thickened back up to the point where we're comfortable doing it. So they had to manipulate. So what should have been a relatively routine procedure by today's standards right. ended up being a little bit of a nail biter just because of that. So yeah. 9.30 on uh, Monday morning of this week, she goes in, has the hip replacement, and is out of surgery. Andrea leaves town, and because obviously my first response was get down there. So Sunday morning, she's like, I'm not, let me call and find out. And they said, don't come down, wait till the surgery, then come down because it's limited number of people that can visit and really need you there to take care of your dad, blah, blah, blah. Fine. My account manager had a death in her family, so she's oh. gone for the rest of this week in Maine at a funeral, so I'm covering my desk and her desk, and then an hour after Andrea left town on Monday to go and take care of her family, Grayson totals his car. <gasps> so this is, is the- he okay? He is perfectly fine. That was the first question that I asked, as should any parent. I've actually been in an accident before. Long time ago, I've had one real accident in my life. I totaled the first car I ever had, and I will Ugh. never forget the first question out of my mother's mouth is, what are you going to do about another car? Not, are you okay? Not anything Jeez. else. It's, how do you think you're going to get from one place to the next now? And I, and, and I remember sitting here saying, don't worry, I'm fine. I can walk. Uh, I'm okay physically. I can walk from one place geez. to the next if I have to. Thanks for asking. Oh. And so most bizarre thing ever, um, he, for a 19-year-old, had a very nice set of wheels, 2019 Infiniti Q50 with, that was 30,000 miles, paid for it himself, 100% on him. 
But he was cut into the house through a shortcut, leaving the office, and he went around a corner and did what he wasn't supposed to do. He looked at his phone for something, and as he was coming around the corner, guy was coming the other way. He swerves to miss him and hits a brick mailbox and takes out a mailbox. Mailbox is laid over, and his car like doesn't look like it's got a ton of damage, right? Like I figure maybe three to four thousand dollars. So in my mind, I'm just gonna pay for the claim out of pocket. I don't want to hit an insurance or anything. There is no bodily injury. He was fine. I'll take care of the mailbox, take care of the car. Grayson will take care of the mailbox and the car. I will facilitate the process, but he will be financially responsible. <laughs> and um I didn't realize how expensive airbags were. So I'm in the insurance industry and Mm. I got caught way off guard. So here's the deal where he hit. By the way, people, if you don't have a CRM, you're screwing the pooch because as I'm having this podcast, I just looked in the lower corner of my other monitor and a gentleman just downloaded a return to work program as a result of a blog that he found on our website. And I'm willing to bet. Oh, there's the email notification that he has scheduled time with me to sell him based on our content marketing. So that's happening while I'm doing a podcast. That's what I talk about when I say you have a salesman working for you 24-7, 365 on the internet. Anyhow, back to Grayson. What I found out was he must have hit that mailbox at exactly where the sensors for the airbags were to set like the most airbags off with the least amount of damage to the car. Hmm. It was the um, it was his steering wheel. It was the curtain on the passenger side and the curtain in the rear passenger side. And I'm thinking, Hmm. we're going to be out of this thing. You're probably going to have no car for a couple of weeks. I talked to the adjuster yesterday, and the guy's like, I'm just going to let you know up front, this thing's probably going to be you know, a total loss. I'm like, this is like a $30,000, $35,000 car, actual cash value based on comps and where we're at today. He's like, I know, they're really expensive. And sure enough, like an hour later, he calls me back, has the estimates. He's like, it's going to be a total loss. Wow. What a nightmare. I mean, the car was absolutely beautiful. It was still in really, really good condition except for that one small piece. Now, he hit it. The way he hit it, it went through the bumper and must have hit the tire flush, and it hit the tire with enough impact that it broke it off the lower arm and the tire took a 90 degree. Mm. But still, that's not something that you can't fix, right? 100% 100% due to the airbags. So guys, if you guys wow. and ladies both, like if you've never gone through a claim like that where the airbags have been deployed, you need to know like kind of how much that stuff costs so you can advise your clients cuz I feel like I know I mean we don't do a ton of personal lines no. so I don't have a lot of experience with that kind of stuff. I just mm-hmm. don't. And we don't have a bunch of that um you know, on the commercial side either, but holy cow, it's, it's good information to know that those things are worth that much that you could total a really nice car just because the air, you know, multiple airbags. Mm. So that's terrible. So, that, so that's so what you've been how's doing. Andrea's mom. Andrea's yeah. mom is fine. She is annoying. She is bullheaded in. She, so she had her other hip replaced in. She, she didn't go through her physical therapy the way she was supposed to. So that one has given her problems. That's one of the things that we said, uh, when this happened and I told Annie, I'm like, you need to just make it very clear. She doesn't get out of the skilled nursing facility until they completely sign off on her PT. I, it is going to be a nightmare. We're going to have to argue with her. We're going to have to fight with her, but she needs to understand 
understand that for the longevity of everything, this is the absolute best course of action. And if she needs a point of reference, tell her to look at the last five years and how miserable she's been on the hip that she had replaced and didn't go through PT because she complains about it all the time. So I actually got a message this morning. She she had the surgery on Monday, on Tuesday night at 7. She was moved over to a skilled nursing facility where she's going to be for at least by three weeks or so. And I got a message from Annie um, a little bit ago saying that her mom's already trying to get them to jailbreak her and get her home. Sounds and like my grandma. She ain't, <laughs> same, she ain't happy. Very similar situation. All right. So, so we talk about the factors that impact the value of an agency. I'll, I bet your listeners are waiting with bated breath. They, probably exited, the, they probably exited this pod a long time ago. <laughs> so like, anyway, well, let's talk about it. So here's the deal. We know that we should use the profit of our agency in order to consider the value. That's EBITDA, for those of you that weren't here for that. We also know that uh, we're going to consider benchmarks in order to set what the pro forma financials are for an agency, and those benchmarks do not apply equally to all agencies based on what their strategy is in, in their agency. But once you have that profitability, you apply a multiple in order to get to the value of the agency. And everybody just thinks, if I read the headlines, that multiple is probably nine times EBITDA, 11 times EBITDA, 14 times EBITDA, because that's what you see in the headlines, and that is not true. Um, those are platform agencies that are very large being bought in a, in a um, private equity situation that does not apply to every agency out there. So I want to say that first and foremost. When you read the headlines, you have to um, really understand what that headline is about and how it applies to you and your agency. Um, when, I started, when I started working with agents to do valuation and perpetuation planning, it was because 80, I think it's like 89% of independent insurance agencies are actually 1.25 million or below in revenue of the 36,000 agencies in this country, that's their size. That's 83% or 89% are, are small business owners. Hmm. And that marketplace was completely underserved. So we are not talking about a $1.25 million agency getting 11 times EBITDA. There are factors that, that state what your multiple would be. The biggest ones, let's start from the top. Is your agency growing? That's number one. They want to know what this agency is. Is it healthy? Is it growing? An agency that is declining will always have a lower multiple than one that is growing. Just mm -hmm. makes sense, right? Past performance is a predictor of what's going to happen. Second is, are you growing and doing it profitably? Obviously. So if you're spending all your money in order to grow, then there's really no profit to facilitate a buyout of that agency. So you have to be able to grow and do it profitably. The third is, what's the scale? What is the size of the agency? So that ability to fund a transfer of an agency gets larger and larger and larger as an agency's EBITDA becomes larger. The multiple also goes higher because there's more um, there's more scale to that agency. So those are three of the biggest factors. Then it goes to what is the predictability that agency will continue to operate as it has? So it looks at concentration. Where are you concentrated? Are you concentrated with one carrier, 
one producer, one line of business? Um, and what is the risk associated with that concentration? So there's multifaceted way of looking at concentration, but I think we can all understand if you have 80% of your book written by one producer that is 65 years old with no contract, you got a lot of problems happening mm -hmm. there. There's a lot at risk should that producer leave, right? So it, yeah, there's a there's a big thing to think about there. Is there an ideal number or range as far as the concentration goes? you know, from carrier to carrier or, or however you look at it? There is. So let's talk about a $2 million agency. You should place probably 80% of your book with your top five to six carriers and personal lines and commercial lines. And your top three of that should be no more than 25% of your overall book. If you start getting higher than that, just think about the impact that carrier allocation would have on the risk to your agency should they change their comp, should they go insolvent, yeah. should they change their contingencies. Like really you just want, it's all about how you minimize that risk. Now I'm being very broad in that statement. There are situations where it makes perfect sense to go beyond 25% allocation, mm -hmm. but for the average agency, that's a great rule of thumb to think about. And if you're starting to creep at 50% of my book is with one carrier. You got to think about that. Like, do I, is that really the right allocation for um, my agency? And there's a balance. If, you know, if you're a small agency trying to maximize your contingencies, you might have to place a fair amount of your business with one of your carriers. I totally get that. But you have to weigh that with the risk that you're placing all of your book of business with one place or one producer, same thing. Your producer, you should have no more than 20% of your overall book of business with one person. And you should have contracts in place with every single one of your employees, period. It's not going to prevent a problem, but if they are aware that that's something that's in place, that there's an agreement, it's less likely they'll walk away with your book of business and you at least have recourse and protect mm -hmm. that if if something were to happen. I mean, we could probably do a whole conversation just about that topic. I think I've done that with uh, a What's that, the, other like people, employee but, agreement for retirement? Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. So, so concentration is another huge factor. Same thing, even niche. You know, an agency that right. has a, a really large niche, it's fantastic. We talked about it a little bit earlier. I don't know if that was on camera or off camera, but if you're in a niche, it could also be very profitable, but it also can limit the number of people that could mm -hmm. buy your agency if they don't have that expertise. So concentration is a big, big factor in order to then, it's all about what's the predictability that this agency will continue to operate the way that it has with or without the, um, the owner in place. And what are those key people, key partners, key relationships that would change? Um, and so I think... People don't think about it that way. I've had a lot of agency owners say, I'm the best salesperson in the agency. I'm the sole owner. I'm the best salesperson. The problem is that's not transferable when you leave. Mm -hmm. And that impacts the overall value of your agency without question. Yeah, I mean, that sort of goes along the lines of what we were talking about earlier when I told you what some of the strategy is for how I plan on building out some of our affinity brands, right? Mm -hmm. um, 
and I'm glad to know that the way I thought about it was a preferred way to do it. I wish I could tell you that it was a hundred percent intentional. It's just what made sense to me. You know, what mm. I mean, I've always said that if you could, if you're going to build an affinity brand, it, and look, you can criticize me as much as you want, Carrie, because I have way more bad ideas than I have good ideas. I just act on all of them, and the good typically outweigh the bad. Um, but I, I always looked at it and said, if you're going to build affinity brands, you want to build them in a way that you have the ability to unbolt them from your agency if you ever want to just sell that portion of it and not have it to where your entire agency hinges on that affinity brand. Like there's a lot of people out there who are really, really good at writing gyms and personal in, in fitness centers, right? Like they're, but in their, their, they may have a program for it and their whole agency hinges or it's a, or it's a one man or one lady shop. And that's all they write. They're a specialist in it. And a hundred percent of their book is based on it, but it hinges on them being part of it. Whereas at Florida fitness insurance, everything like all of our other verticals that we've put together, the lead in is a quote bind issue product. So we're not really going to look for the big franchise fitness centers and national gyms and all of that. We're actually marketing as if we're going for the 1099 fitness instructor, yoga instructor, aerobics instructor, whoever, because we know these people need to have, you know, GL and PL to go in and work for the gyms that they're working because they're almost all 1099s. And the way the analogy I use is it's like the DEA. If you want to get to the kingpin, you got to start with the street pusher. And so you go to the people that are going to lead you there, right? You don't always use that analogy. I've literally never heard you say that ever. <laughs> What's that? I said, I said you, you don't always use that analogy. I've literally never heard you say that ever. Uh, well, I use it a lot for other <laughs> things, but... Um, it gets you to the kingpin. It gets you to the nerve center so that if you do decide that's what you want to call and you can. Yeah. But our primary focus is to get, sell these products that are quote bind issue for the very re- one, more for the ease of use, right? For the for the client as well as us because it's not high dollar stuff, but it can be high volume, but it doesn't hinge on any one person. And also, because it's the lead, it's the uh, a, a lead source for us to round out personal lines and mm-hmm. other things. So, I'm glad to know that in some weird way we figured. I seem to have figured out how to do it the right way. Now the goal is just to get them all in place, and that's what Miss Abby's here doing this summer from Florida State. So she will. Uh, she'll have. She'll, she's the one that's going to look like a superstar because I've had. All of this stuff sitting for like a year, year and a half, and it needs like one piece here, one piece there. And all she's got to do is is deal with those pieces, and we'll have like 10 markets launched by the end of the summer. Nice. Yeah, David, the, uh, the approach that you're using makes it as transferable as it can possibly be. And I just don't think agency owners think about that. They, If I go to someone and say, you need to make your agency able to operate without you, that, that's counterintuitive to what someone is comfortable with and sometimes super hard to even imagine how that can be. Um, so, but moving in that direction, like literally minimizing your book, allocating it to other people and introducing other people into those relationships that you may have had for 20 plus years, the more you hold tight, the harder it is to anticipate that that account's going to stay with your agency should you sell 
than it would if you're there. So if you're not planning on being there forever, you know, if you haven't found the fountain of youth and have decided that you're actually going to be human like the rest of us, you've got to figure out a way to make it transferable. And I think that's a hard thing to wrap your head around uh, for a lot of people until it's too late. And then um, they find themselves where they have a risky book of business that they're trying to sell at top dollar. And that's unfortunate. You know, if you have, if you, if everything hinges on you, or if you've got one huge account, you know, I had an agency owner that 25% of their book of business was one account. Wow. Think about that. Yeah. I mean, do you want to buy that agency? Right. Are you, you want to take the risk on that one? You know, mm -hmm. look, I don't want, I don't want 25% of my book of business to be one account. If I'm a producer, let alone an agency anywhere. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, the, the hit that you take when that happens is significant, or even if it's a handful of agents or of clients that make up, you know, 25% of your book of business. So concentration is a huge thing to think about. There's lots of other risk factors. I'm sure we can go into a couple other areas in our next episode, but concentration, you got to think about it. And, and a lot of people don't look at their book of business for through that lens. They actually look at it as I'm doing a great job. I'm growing my book. I'm really, really instrumental. And that's, or this is my key employee that's super instrumental until they're not there, which is a huge, huge problem. Mm -hmm. mm. Once again, nailed it. We've got these shop talks down. I, I, I went a little long with the, you know, the, the story of all of the other stuff, whatever. It was necessary. Okay. I feel totally like necessary. It, I feel like yeah. it was. Yeah, I feel like it was. And I'm just glad Grayson's okay. Yeah, I I'm am. Sorry about his car, but I'm super glad Grayson's okay. Yeah. It's like I told him. I know. It, I know it sucks for you. Um, I'm not gonna sit here and and beat beat you down. You already know you made a dumb mistake. You know you did something I've told you a thousand times not to do. Mm -hmm. So there's no point in me saying anything else to you. Um, have fun paying those premiums the next few years. <laughs> yeah, huge life lesson. Yeah, for sure. 100%. Right. Hope yeah. I'm the producer on that. <laughs> all right everybody we are going to be back next time with carrie wallace and we're going to continue to talk about all the stuff that she deals with on a daily basis to help you maximize your agency's profitability you want to give them a teaser or are we just gonna we want to let let them figure it out no, no, we'll talk about a couple other risk factors okay. and then some ways you can position yourself to be an acquirer How's perfect that? Perfect. Sounds good. Everybody, have a great weekend, Carrie. Thank you for being so generous with your time. Listen, if you're an agency principal out there and you're looking to get a valuation on your agency or you're struggling with figuring out how you're going to perpetuate your agency, there is no better resource in the United States of America than Carrie Wallace at Agency Focus. You can get in touch with her by emailing Carrie at agency hyphen. And I will tell you, I highlight the hyphen because I left it out myself. Agency-focus.com. Carrie, C-A-R-E-Y, at agency-focus.com. If you want to dip your toe in the water, maybe not have her talk to you right away, go visit her website and you'll get a ton of information there as well. Do yourself a favor, reach out to Carrie. She will definitely make you better. Have a great weekend. See ya.
You've been listening to Power Producers Shop Talk. You can follow us at the Power Producers Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. And if you want to take your game to the next level, check out our commercial insurance training course at killingcommercial.com or visit Amazon to pick up a copy of our international best-selling book, The Extra Two Minutes. 